0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: How do I yield to God? It's a day by day, moment by moment thing. Because you live in your flesh. Your flesh is going to want to do something, but you yield to God, God I'm yielding to you. My flesh wants to say this, but I'm yielding to you, and you're, you're not saying that, so I'm not saying nothing. My flesh wants to respond this way, but that's not what you're saying, so I'm going to just die and get out of the way. And if... For some of us, if we made that our our habit of life, our life would be transformed. It would be so different. You'd be a totally different person if you stopped living and let Christ live through you. And so for some of us today, and I believe there are people here right now, that that is God's word to you.
0: I'm crucified with Christ. No longer I, but Christ who lives in me. Today, you learn from Pastor Bill's message to surrender your life to the Lord. Yield each day and moment to God. Allow him to give you the empowerment to follow him. Pastor Bill encourages you to turn to the Lord for your strength. When you die to yourself, you become alive in Christ. Let the Lord help you to crucify the flesh every day. He's faithful to help you. Ask the Lord to enable you to surrender to his ways and his plan each day. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: Verse 17, says, But... If while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. And here's what he's saying: If I am trying to be justified by faith in Christ, I want to, you know, I want to be saved by faith. I want to, I want to be justified by Christ. At the very same time, I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, keep the law. You know, I'm, I'm so I'm failing at this part. Is, it, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? It's certainly not. Absolutely not. It just doesn't work that way. Verse 18. But if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Paul says we we've torn down the separate. We've torn down the, the coming to God through the law. We've torn that down. Now if we rebuild it. We're, we make ourselves a transgressor. We're moving backwards. We're not moving forward in our relationship with the Lord. Verse 19. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. Through the law, because I through the law, I die to that I might live to God. Can't do both. If I'm going to live to God, then I got to die to the law. I can't keep the law. Everybody here know you can't keep the law. <coughs> if we just took the Ten Commandments, because you got to keep it perfectly. And you know, if I said, how many of you guys have ever told a lie? Every hand will go up, unless you're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> how many of us have ever stolen something? Most of your hands will go up. How many of us have ever? You know, you, you go through it and, and some of you guys will be, you know, real smart. I've never murdered anybody. I never did it. You know, and, and you know, the Bible, Jesus, Jesus, the law didn't get less than the New Testament. You know, he took it up a notch. And the Old Testament he said, don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. New Testament, he says, if you have hated someone without cause, you murdered them." Anybody ever hated somebody? Right, yeah. Put your hand down. I yeah, hope you still don't hate them, right? You you, you qualify as a murderer now if you ever lusted after a woman or a man, whoever. If you've ever lusted for someone that you were not married with. You've committed adultery. You might have, don't raise your hands, but y'all get my get my point. So when you get to the New Testament, he explains it further. He says it's actually more than you thought. I don't just want you to not kill. I want to get to the root of why people kill—hatred. I don't want you to hate nobody. Oh man. So my, my, the, legalist, the legalist in me says, "Well, I never did that part." God's like, "But I'm looking at your heart. Heart foul. You only didn't kill him because you don't want to go to jail. You only didn't you only didn't move forward with the adultery because you didn't have the opportunity. So you just lusted. You only didn't the part that you didn't do. Maybe you couldn't do. But I'm looking at your heart, and your heart did it. And so when I get to the New Testament, I'm like, That's, I'm even worse off than I thought. And so I need I need I need I need the gospel, right? I need justification by faith because I can't keep no law. Amen." So I want us to understand that for our own benefit, right, that um, that we've entered in by faith, that we haven't earned anything. We can't earn anything. And this is why it's so important that I understand it right. If I know that I didn't earn it, can't earn it, never earned it, not worthy of it, never been worthy of it, never will be worthy of it. Then I'm forced to receive it by faith, but I can respond to it. And that's what God wants. The relationship God wants with you. God doesn't want a relationship with you where you're always trying to, to win his approval. God wants a relationship with you where you understand that he's received you and approved you and, and loves you. And now you get to respond to a loving God. That's what he wants. God wants you and me to be in a place where we're just we're broken at how much he loves us. What does the Bible say? It's the, it's the what of God that makes us repent. It's the goodness, not the baseball bat. God, it's the goodness of God. When you realize I've just been good to you for Nothing. That's what makes people repent. It, that's what a bit of break. You. I've, I've had times in my walk with the Lord where I wasn't even doing well. I was messing up in certain areas and then God would bless my life in some way. And that, that was worse than whooping me. I would just be like, oh, man, I'm just, I'm not. I, I know I'm not worthy. It would break me to the point where it's like, God, I am I need to just, I need to repent. I just need to be right. I, I, I could think of twice in my walk with the Lord where I was I was almost expecting I'm about to get disciplined mm-hmm. and then God would do something opposite and it would just be like, Oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm stopping. And the goodness of God brings us to repentance. I can't boast. You can't boast. We have been blessed by a wonderful God. We've been blessed by the God of heaven and earth. what he's done for us that we don't deserve. We're recipients of great goodness from a great God. Amen. Amen. Should make us humble people should make us very loving people should make us very gracious people, should not create in us legalists, should not create hypocrisy, but it should create in us people that are broken and humble and loving and and, and that it would impact how we reach out to other people. It would impact how we reach back to the Lord, how we we worship him, how we live for him. I believe that a person that understands the gospel right will live more holy than someone that's trying to live to to be accepted by God. I believe a person that understands the gospel, right, will serve out of a right motive. Well, you know, their service will be right. The things that they do back, God, I'm doing this not so that you will, but because you already have. I'm serving in response to what you've already done. I'm just I'm just giving myself to you that you can have this life. You paid full for it. You can have it. It's just different. It's a, it's a different feel. It's a different look. The motive of everything is different when we're living in response to his goodness. And not living so that God will. God's already done everything that you need done for you. Amen. Amen. Um, Now, you may he may do some extra stuff along the way and you just say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But he's already done the most important thing. It's done. It has been done for you already. Two verses of your writing notes. I'd like you to write them down. Write down Second Timothy chapter two, verse 11 and write down Romans six, eight through 14. I'm going to read these two real quick. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 11, and then Romans six, verses eight through 14. Second Timothy two eleven says, this is a faithful saying for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. When did I die with Christ, you guys on the cross? When I when I believed I died so I can now I can live with him. I've died with Christ. I died on the cross with him. Now, Romans six. Verses 8 through 14, because some people think, you know what, if I, if I believe this man, all this grace and God just loved me when I was, a, you know, then isn't that going to encourage people to just go run amok, live reckless and wild and just say, "What's well, all paid for. He loved me when I was my worst. So 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 there. And I don't believe so. I don't believe that a person genuinely born again wants to do worse. The people that want to live like that probably not really saved, probably haven't really come to a rec- a real understanding of what God has done. I don't believe a person genuinely born again says The goodness of God leads me to go out to the club tonight. I believe the goodness of God leads to what? Repentance. So when someone really understands the gospel and the goodness of God, they don't want to go do work. They want to honor God. So anybody living like this, they don't really know the gospel. They don't don't really understand who God is. And we can't be afraid to preach grace and the true gospel because well, people understand that, they're going to go mess up. No, they won't. No, they won't. That's not what the Bible says. Right. So look at Romans 6, 8 through 14. I'm going to read it all real quick. our Lord. That word reckon means you by faith you 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 live as though this is your reality. Reckon yourself to be dead. I'm sorry, reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. Alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it says verse 12: Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. But and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But instead, this is what we do instead: present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Now, I I, I hope we can get that. Present yourself to God as being alive from the dead. I died with him and I'm also risen with him and he's living in me. I'm presenting myself to God as dead to sin, but alive to God. I've risen from the dead in Christ, alive from the dead. It says, and and your members, instruments of righteousness to God, that that the rest of these instruments, my body, these things are to be instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Under the law, sin had dominion over you because you couldn't stop it. He said, now under grace, sin will not have dominion over you. Interesting thing. That as I respond to grace, God says, sin won't have dominion over you. I've freed you from that. Part of Christian liberty is not my my liberty to indulge in certain things. Part of Christian liberty is my freedom to not have to do that no more. You know, a lot of people talk about their liberty that, well, you know, Christian, I got liberty to have a drink. I got saved and God gave me liberty to stop drinking. I got the freedom to not have a drink because I didn't used to have that liberty. I used to have to have a drink. Now I'm free to not have a drink. Does not no longer has dominion over me. That's what God wants to bring us to where sin is not dominating us. What does God want to dominate our lives? Him. he wants to dominate. He wants to be in control. Look at the next verse. We're almost done. Verse 20. For I have been, and this is, uh, I said this in the last verse. This, this, this is a very, this would be a good verse for everybody here to commit to memory this week. And if I can assign you homework on Sunday afternoon in a very hot room at, 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 in the afternoon, I would tell you to write this verse down, memorize this verse. It is, it's, it's just, the words are, it's powerful. Let's look at it. Verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But sorry, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me, love past tense. We'll look at that in just a moment. Who loved me and gave himself for me. One more time. I have been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? That means the day you put your faith in Christ, when you came to the Lord, you. The worst part to you, the sinful part of you, the messed up part of you, the messed up part of your past, the messed up part of you right now and the messed up things you're going to do till you get to heaven have been crucified. They've been paid in full. They've been paid for on the cross. God took care of it. You have been crucified with Christ. So that's my standing before God crucified. So Satan can't bring condemnation on a man or woman that knows I've been crucified with Christ. I'm dead. I know I did that. It's been paid for. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God that my relationship with the Lord is not based on what I did, but it's based on what he did for me. I've been crucified with Christ. Next thing, it is no longer I who live. That's interesting because I feel like I woke up this morning. I put my clothes on. I decided to come to church. I'm very much living, but it's no longer I who live. It says it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So though I'm very much alive in my flesh, it's by faith that Christ lives his life through me as you yield, as you yield to the Lord. This is what God wants. God said, I want to live my life through you. I live in you now, son, daughter. You've you received me by faith. I live in you. and It's, it's as you yield to me that I am going to live my life through you. What does a person need to do that's struggling to love somebody? Just die to yourself. And God will love them through you because he loves them, right? Who's struggling to, to get along with people? Just die to yourself. God who loves them, well, he'll love them right on through you. I'm struggling to overcome some issue, some challenge, yield, So the Lord lives in you, yield, submit, do what the spirit is leading you to do. Submit to the God lives in you. And if you yield, God will live his life right on through you. When, When you don't see Christ in me or I don't see Christ in you, it's because we resurrected that old man and we're letting him show himself. God says, look, reckon the old man dead. Get out of the way. Just yield to God. If you you will just die to yourself. That was the whole theme of discipleship from Jesus. What did he say? If you're going to follow me, what do you got to do? Take up your cross every day. Deny yourself. Take up that instrument of death every day. If then then you'll be out of my way, I'll do it through you. I'll do what you could never do. We're so busy trying to do the work. And God's like, if you would just die, you would just get out of the way. I'll do it through you. I'll do it. It'll become natural. You just die. You just stop. Let me do it through you. And for some people today, maybe that's a word from the Lord for you. Maybe you're trying really, 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 really hard. And you look back and all you see behind you is a track record of your trying and failing. Maybe today you stop trying. Maybe today you stop trying to succeed. And maybe today you say, Jesus, I yield to you. I'm just going to stop. I yield. I yield my mouth, my mind, my body. I yield it to you. You just take this it. How do I yield to God? It's a day by day, moment by moment thing. Because you live in your flesh, your flesh is going to want to do something, but you yield to God, God, I'm yielding to you. My flesh wants to say this, but I'm yielding to you and you're, you're not saying that. So I'm not saying nothing. My flesh wants to respond this way, but that's not what you're saying. So I'm going to just die and get out of the way. And if for some of us, if we made that our, our habit of life, our life would be transformed. It would be so different. You'd be a total different person if you stopped living and let Christ live through you. And so for some of us today, and I believe there are people here right now that that is God's word to you. Stop. You get out of his way. Die that he might live his life through you. It'd be so much better for you and everybody that you impact if you would get out of his way. Let him do it through you. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh. The life that I'm living every day in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I live live this life every day by faith in Jesus, who loved me, past tense, I'm coming back to that, and gave himself for me. Why does he say who loved me? Why does not he say God who loves me? Why did he say love? Why did he put it in the past tense? I believe this is why. When God tells us, I loved you, he goes backwards. I loved you. Loved me when? When did that love start? Hmm? From the very beginning, before the foundation of the world, He chose you, right? Before you ever did a right thing, He loved you. He's like, He points back and said, "Look, God who loved you." Past tense. I loved you when Romans five eight God demonstrates His love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, when we were our very worst, God loved us, died for us, right? So God says, "I point back. I loved you." So God, if you loved me when I was at my very worst, can I should I should I shudder today at His love for me? How many of you guys are better today? Not perfect, but how many of you guys are better? Today than you were the day you got saved, better. Okay, anybody got worse? Raise your hand. We got we we got a program for you. All right, so most of us we got saved. We're better. We're not done, but we're better. We look back at what he did then. When I was God, you loved me then. I know you love me now, right? It, it, I, I have to look back at my very worst. If you loved me then, how 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 could you not love me now? And it's I think it's paramount that we understand we're not working. To earn his love. He's, he's screaming through scripture, I loved you. Can't get no better. Here's a, a scripture picture that might help us. There's a story in the book of Hosea. We don't have time to go to it, but just hear it out real quick. God tells the prophet Hosea, I want you to go find a wife out of that's on the streets being a, a harlot. That ain't where nobody go to find a wife. But God told Hosea, I want you to go marry a, a harlot for a wife. He went out. He married a woman named Goma. Made her his wife. As they were married, children started coming from the names of the children. We find that she had been unfaithful in the marriage. The second child, the name of the child was, it was suggested it was probably not his child. The third child was definitely not his child. And then it said that she left him and went back to her harlotry. So she was unfaithful in the, he picked the unfaithful specimen to begin with. Then she was unfaithful in the relationship. Then she went back full on to do what she used to do. Then Hosea chapter three, God tells Hosea, says, I want you to go again and love a woman who is being loved by a lover, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel. And what does God demonstrate? God said, I want now now that she's I want you to go again. And she's right now cheating on you. Go back and get her and love her. And then when you went back and got her hit, you had to to buy her back. When you look at the, the, the manners and customs and scales of the day, she was cheap by comparison. That means that she was run down. He had to buy her back, bring her to himself, and he made a new covenant with her and said, you're going to be with me and I'm going to be with you from here on out. And God said, that's how I love you. That's how much I love. When I, when I picked you, you was not all that to begin with. Y'all know that? Yeah. No one all that, but I picked you anyway. I loved you. Then you've been unfaithful since we got going, but I still want you back. And even her, he says, I, I purchased you. For you and me, he purchased us. And as I read a story like that, I realized God's love is not like people's love. And people here, we don't pick. We wouldn't pick someone that we thought might do us wrong. If, if we could know in the future that it was going to ever be bad, we would never pick you. But God said, like, I picked you knowing it was going to be this way. My love is different. I love you, period. I picked you knowing what you would do. I picked you after you did it. I still want you. And I've entered into a relationship with you. I'm, 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 I'm here for you. And I'm entering the covenant now. Do you understand that's how much God loves you? And so, again, what that should do for us is not cause us to say, well, now I want to keep a bunch of rules so he'll love me. Done. God, you love me. I'm melting. I'm melting in the love of the Lord. But God, because you love me so much, because you just love me. God doesn't love you if he doesn't love you because he doesn't love you when God loves you, period. Done. He just loves you, period. So all you can do is respond to a love like that. You can respond in worship. You can respond in obedience. You can respond in sacrifice. But anything you do is a response. And that's what he wants. I believe that understanding the gospel properly, understanding his love for me properly will cause me I'll, I'll, God, I'll serve to the will fall off, not so that you do anything else, but because of what you've already. done. I'm so thankful for what you've already done. You can have this life. You purchase heaven. Like I got I this. Is, this is this is me personally. I I was going to hell. I'm now going to heaven for all eternity. Now, however many years I got down here, you can have it. I give it up. You can have this life. I won't have a personal passion that doesn't have to do with you. I won't leave a space in my life that says, you know, I'm going to pursue these other things for my own enjoyment. No, you can have the rest of this life. I got heaven. That's not legalism. That's not me saying, God, I'm going to give myself to you so that you can so you'll really like me. It's me saying, God, because you've done that, because I understand what you've done, have it. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that you did that for me. You can have this life. That's, I believe, the relationship that the Lord is calling us to. Not one where we're earning, not one where we're trying to win approval, one we're saying, since I understand what you've done, God, here, take it. And I pray that we get this, that, that more of us would be more fully given over to the Lord, not in a legalistic way, not in i I'm better than you way, in a God loves sinners so much here way. I think it will also impact our outreach to individuals that we're reaching out to. Amen. Last verse, verse 21. Uh, so I do want y'all to memorize verse 20. Y'all, uh, I'm going to work on it because I ain't got it all the way right. I said it wrong three times in two services. But uh, by next week, we're going to close our books, stand to our feet and say it out loud like we mean it. All right. So next week, Galatians 220, we'll get that locked down. Verse 21, he says, I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Paul says, I will not set aside the grace. I will not set aside the unmerited favor of God to people because If righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Not the case. Righteousness does not come through the law. Christ did not die in vain. We are recipients of the grace of God. Amen. Amen. Two thoughts as we close. One, we talked about the legalism as far as salvation and adding something to what people got to do to be saved. We talked about the legalism of living where we're adding extra restrictions and rules to people to, that they might obey God's word or whatever. Or they might, you know, be pleased the Lord. Don't do these things to please God or whatever. Both of those things kind of are taken away. If we, if we rightly understand the gospel, it's it's all of. It's not about anything that we do. It's all about what he has done. So I'm not going to go to heaven or be pleasing to God because I don't do this or I still, you know, I do these things just because of what God has already done and my life today is i want to live pleasing to the lord it's 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 in response to what he's already done i don't i don't serve him so he'll be happier i don't do things so god don't like me more i do it because of what he's already done and i just hope we catch that that we live in response not we're not gonna we're not gonna move god's hand with our behavior we're responding to what he's already done for us his grace towards us and so and lastly paul as he confronts peter And sometimes that's necessary that we confront things. I believe when when the gospel is at stake, that God would call us to speak up. And maybe this week, maybe as you're about, maybe there'll be situations that come up or conversations you enter into where somebody is misunderstanding or misrepresenting the gospel. I'm going to tell you that in those moments, God is calling upon us to speak up. Peter was being corrected in front of all these people by Paul. Because it mattered to God that people would understand the gospel. When God gives you a platform, don't you, don't you bow out you know, you know, because you don't want to be in an argument or you don't want to have a, a, you know, a, a spirited conversation. When God puts those opportunities up, you need to take them. Those are for his glory and for the benefit of the hearers.
0: The book of Galatians, like many New Testament letters, addresses the problem of false teachers and the lies they spread. The Apostle Paul wanted to make sure that the Galatians church wasn't trusting the wrong people and the wrong messages as they grew in their faith. Today, sadly, false teaching is still a problem. Even in this modern world, there are people incorrectly interpreting the Bible, twisting it to fit their agenda. It's not the truth, but how can you know for sure? Today, you've taken a step in the right direction by spending time in the transforming Word of God. The more you know the Bible for yourself, the easier it will be to filter out the lies. Take all that you hear back to Scripture and discover for yourself what God is saying. Pastor Bill will continue his teaching through the book of Galatians next time you join us on A Transforming Word. In the meantime... You can access more of Pastor Bill's messages at CalvaryEnglewood.org and on our Calvary Chapel Inglewood app. We'd love to hear from you too. Let us know what God's been doing in your life and how we can be praying for you. Give us a call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. Would you also prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially? All gifts are welcome and appreciated no matter the size. You can find out more at CalvaryEnglewood.org or donate through our app. Thanks for praying about this and thanks for tuning into A Transforming Word.